Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equip to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equip to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. You're listening to the Equipped to Be show. I'm your host, Connie Albers. Thanks for tuning in. We're always glad that you're here. You know, we've been doing a series of back to school. It's that time of year, putting in rhythms, routines, kind of easing kids back into it, maybe preparing them for abrupt changes or schedules, all the things. But today I have a friend who has been in the homeschool, I would say in the homeschool world for a little over 30 years. It's amazing. She's considered a pioneer in the industry. She has three children, all of whom she homeschooled. She comes from the great state of South Carolina. She's a dear friend of mine, Zan Tyler. I want to tell you a little bit about her, other than the fact that we've been friends for a long time, but she was instrumental in getting some of the laws passed in South Carolina. Like I said, she has been in the homeschool movement for 30 plus years. She's an author, a speaker. She's just celebrating her one year anniversary of the Zan Tyler Show that you can listen to. It's a weekly podcast that she hosts. It's also available on YouTube. So if you want to watch the interviews that she does or you just want to listen to her, you can listen on on whatever podcast player that you enjoy listening to or watch her on video, but she has some great guests. I have had the privilege of being a guest on her show, which was a lot of fun. And we talked about parenting beyond the rules. But I have just had such a respect for Zan. Like I said, we've worked together. She has a focus now, uh, a very intentional focus to encouraging parents that are in the homeschooling journey, wherever they are, whether they're just beginning or they've been around for a long time. I love that she is just focused and and concerned on helping you with your journey. She is married to a great man that I've known as long named Joe. And like I said, they have three children. So I look forward to our conversation today where we just talk about more tips for you to make homeschooling easier, maybe to even help you get the homeschool mindset. Please join me in welcoming my friend, Zan Tyler, to the podcast. So Zan, my listeners aren't familiar with you. Uh, They have probably read your books. They've probably heard you speak. Uh, You speak all over the country and internationally on homeschooling and biblical worldview. And like I said a, a few moments ago, we've had the privilege of working together, working alongside each other, cheering each other on. And it's been a beautiful, wonderful thing. So I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Would you please take a few minutes and tell our listeners a little bit about you know, Zan Tyler, tell us, I want to know more about the, we homeschooled and being threatened with jail and all that. I'm, I know my listeners are going to be fascinated by that. Okay. I would be glad to, Connie. Actually, this was 1984 and my oldest son was five turning six and he was the only one, he was in this church kindergarten, but it was church kindergarten program, but it was very kind of avant-garde. And he was the only one out of eight kids not reading. I know how bright he is. 
he just wasn't ready to read. But I, I knew nothing about education. Uh, like you said, when I was in college, there are two things I said I would never do. One was have kids and the other was teach. <laughs> and so I was, I was totally unprepared for the teaching part of this. And so, so the uh, lesson is don't tell God what you're going to do, right? Amen. You know, I just feel like my life is instructional on so many different levels. And, you know, that would be one of those sub levels. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm just, you know, I'm so thankful for the life Joe and I've had with our kids and with each other. And I look back on the plans I had, they would have been so boring and predictable had God not come in and intervened with this idea of homeschooling our children. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And um, But in 1984, I didn't know all those things. So a friend of mine just suggested that I have Ty tested and hold him back, which I did. And then in the meantime, a friend of mine, this was very interesting because I'd never heard of homeschooling before. Uh, She and her husband were preparing to go to the mission field. They were both getting their master's in seminary. And I was a young mom. I was 27 when Ty was five, and she was probably five or 10 years older than me. And she said, Dan, I've taught in public schools. I taught before Nat was born. She had a three-year-old. And she said, I'm going to homeschool. And she gave me this book homegrown kids. And, you know, they lived in this little mobile home because, like I say, they're in Bible school and they're preparing for the mission field. And it was like that scene from Star Wars where Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and the rest of them are all in that trash compactor and the Uh walls are closing in. That's how I felt. When she said the word homeschooling, I thought the walls of this mobile home are going to close in and crush me and I've got to get out of here fast. I would be saying, and, God, did you uh, not hear me? I told you. <laughs> that's, and I can't believe you said that because all the way home, I had this book in my hand uh-huh. and I'm telling, I'm telling the Lord out loud with my kids in the backseat, I am not doing this. Here are all the reasons I'm not doing this. <laughs> in the first place, this is the strangest thing I've ever heard of. In the second place, I don't know anybody in the world, I mean world, who homeschools. And in the third place, is this even legal, which I found out later, um, it depended on who you were dealing with, but it was actually the state superintendent of education who threatened to put me in jail while I was sitting in his office eye to eye with him. It was not an idle threat. I'd been, the school board changed their mind. They said, Dan, you can't hold your son back. And I said, well, then I guess I'm going to have to homeschool. And they said, oh, the school district's gotten so lenient with that. Well, that was really just a lie. They had one person who had homeschooled years earlier, and she had been a certified teacher. I was not. And so the school district turned me down. And my mother actually knew the state superintendent of education. She was actually a great public school teacher. And he had observed her classroom while he was getting his PhD. So I had met him during that process. I was in the fourth grade. So I just called him and said, Dr. Williams, I've got a real problem. Can I come see you? And he said, oh, honey, I'll clear off my schedule. Come on down. I mean, I was a friend. And so I get there and I, you know, I explain to him everything I've been through. And I fully expect him to say, I know you are a concerned mother. You've gotten the shaft. Let's see what I can do to help. And instead, when he looked at me and said, well, Zan, I guess I'm just going to have to put you in jail if you continue down this homeschool path. You could have picked me up off the floor, Connie. It was the last thing I was expecting that day. And I just remember saying, well, Dr. Williams, you'll have to put me in jail then. 
Mm. My parents, we were very close to my parents and Joe's parents. They all lived within a three-mile radius of the bus. We had not. This has been going on for now two or three months. And the whole, uh, you know, apply, deny, appeal thing. And now we're at the state board level. So, uh, you know, from Dr. Williams' threats, I would go to jail you know, a week from then after I had my hearing at the state board where they were going to turn me down. And so I had not told my parents. I had not told Joe's parents. So I thought, I've got to go by and tell my parents I'm going to jail or they're going to read about it in the newspaper because my dad was very involved in life in South Carolina, politically and otherwise. He was chairman of the board of the Baptist Hospital System. He did a lot of pro bono work, free Mm. work for the community. And I thought, you know, it's going to say John Peter's daughter goes to jail, not peon homeschool mom (laughs) saying Tyler, you know. And I like, so I could give them the courtesy notification. And so that was really what set us on the homeschooling path. And, you know, Connie, I would say people talk about defining moments. That was one of the defining moments that has changed the way I've lived the rest of my life. How so? Well, in the first place, I didn't understand God's vision for homeschooling at that point in time. And I can talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But all of a sudden, I sensed the Lord was there. The verse about, you know, when authorities threaten you and you don't don't worry about what you're going to say because I will give you the words. Mm -hmm. Those were not my words. Well, then you're just going to have to put me in jail. But those were God's words. And so I began to see God's hand in this and a little a little more at a time. And then, you know, as we Joe and I ended up our family ended up lobbying for good legislation in South Carolina and being involved in a lot of litigation through HSLDA for eight years. And the the driving force what for me was I never want another homeschool mom to experience this. Hmm. And so as we started SCAES, which is the South Carolina Association of Independent Homeschools, and we set up an organization with counselors for elementary and high school and special needs, I'm thinking this is the support I would have given my eye teeth to have when I was a new homeschooling mom. And I kept the one person I met was Dr. Moore, who knew something about homeschooling. He heard that I'd been threatened with jail and we talked and he would he and his wife would counsel me a little bit every day. And I, I just kept thinking with every new thing, with SCAES, with working on the internet, with Christianity.com and Crosswalk.com as the director of their homeschooling communities, being at Broadman and Holman Publishers and now being with uh, BJU Press and Homeworks, my driving force really is how can I support and encourage homeschooling moms because that first experience with being threatened with jail was so traumatic. I will never forget it until the day I die. And so I just don't want anybody to feel fearful or not have encouragement. So it's really been a driving force for me. And it's something you've dedicated your life to, having known you for a a while, a long time. 
you're persistent, you have diligence, you keep wanting to figure out how to solve the problem, you know, how to, how to not go to jail <laughs> and how to continue to uh, support families. I mean, you've been in Christian publishing for 16 years and, you know, so often when you turn the tassel, uh, the first recommend, first thing people think of is, oh yeah, now it's your time. Now it's, now I'm going to go do, I'm going to go have fun because, you know, I didn't have fun homeschooling or raising my kids. I think that's the most wonky thing ever. It's like, no, I got this cool family and I'm doing these, this ministry that I absolutely love. But I know for you, you really focus on the greatness of God. You really love to focus on how God uses just ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Hence, you know, you facing down our legislative system and the D Department of Education and and shaping and forming beliefs and making it making parents aware. I know you are a very popular speaker. You're so warm and relatable. People are, are you are uh, I was going to say usually, but typically you have these funny stories and I can actually remember your stories and it's not that I can't remember a lot of people's stories, but yours are just so hilarious. You just come up with some funny <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's so true." But you're such a popular speaker and author and the fact that you still want to keep shaping a movement that's growing. I know you've you've written books to parents and to moms. Your, your heart beats for moms, like you were just saying. And so now you're with BJU Press Homeschool, and, and you do a lot with them. And you have just celebrated your first anniversary for the Zan Tyler podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that was exciting. And every week, because it's a weekly podcast, you can listen to it everywhere podcasts are played and it's on video. So <clears throat> there you go, friends. You can go check out Zan uh, over at zantyler.com. I will also have everything in the show notes, but you always have great guests and you do such uh, a wonderful job getting to know them. We were talking before we went live just about when you interview someone, how you feel like you get to know them on a deeper level. So instead of just, oh, here's just an interview, you, you really get to know more about them, like what makes their heart beat. And because I've known you for so long, that made us, you being able to come on my podcast even sweeter, because I do know your story. And I know that you're real. It's the real deal. Uh, you're authentic. And you really do care. It's not easy to shape a movement. It's not, you've been recognized many times for the work that you've done with the HSLDA, which is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, as well as what you've started in South Carolina and the conferences that you speak at. But one of the things you wanted to talk about today is kind of going, everybody's going back to school. And I've done a, a series here the last few weeks about going back to school and, and making it easier. And so while we have a few minutes, let's let's talk about burnout is real. I know that uh, you love to focus on that. And as parents begin the first year, some parents are all eager and excited, and some kids are too. And um, we start off on this sprint, but homeschooling really isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. So Amen to that. let's talk about going back to school and, and share some ideas and tips that will help our listeners with having the right mindset and the attitude as they begin this year. Well, thank you, Connie, because this is sort of my passion a little bit, I guess. One of the things I did with my boys and then Lizzie, we, we had two boys that were nine and seven when Lizzie was born. And so we had a big age gap there, which the boys loved. And they, you know, it's like she had four parents instead of two. 
But one of the things we always did when school started back, we would figure out a few things to do that first week. And I would tell the kids, if you were in a traditional school, there is no way we could do these things. And so I really tried to focus on all the gifts that homeschooling gives us. The gift of time, the gift of exploring what's around us, the gift of spontaneous field trips, the gift of service. All of these things we can do because we can get our schoolwork done in an efficient way. And, you know, a lot of times we'll have kids that lag and one kid is an eager beaver and gets all the work done by Tuesday. And one kid is finishing up at five o'clock on Friday because they do have decided they do on a weekend. (laughs) I think I had a couple of those. (laughs) So, you know, we found that if we had a midweek get out of the house thing planned. Uh It really helped because instead of it being Friday and people were motivated, now it's Wednesday. And we always had a service project. I hate that word project, honey, maybe service opportunity that we were committed to for that year. So for six years, we worked in an inner city ministry and it was um, my father-in-law was part of the church who sponsored it. And I went, the boys went with me as they got into their teen years because we did this for so long, then they were able to tutor. And we tutored as a family on Wednesdays. It was just a great way to get out of the house. I want to say this about service. The more you serve, the more you will be bonded with your kids and the richer your homeschool will be. It is truly more blessed to give than to receive. Every Wednesday, I can tell you, I would think of ways not to go. We don't have time. We haven't finished this. But it was sort of an immovable date. And we knew at one at 12 o'clock on Wednesday, we're going out to eat lunch somewhere. I mean, you know, probably fast food. That's all we could afford then. But, you know, and then we were going to have this time with these people that we loved. And it energized us as much as it did them. And so, you know, I've just learned that if you have those moments in your week where everybody knows you're getting out of the house and you're going to go do something different, it's really motivating. It's kind of corralling. And now with co-ops, I know it's a little bit different. I know there are a lot of people that think we don't have enough time at home. That's a whole other topic probably for another day. Um, But I would just say, give your kids things to look forward to. I don't want to talk too much here, but I read a book years ago called The Brilliant Idiot. I think his name, the author was Abraham Schmidt. It was an autobiography. So those are his words, not mine. The Brilliant Idiot. He grew up in a primitive church school in Canada. He evidently was learning disabled. He was beaten when he couldn't get the right answers. He ends up in the United States working on his, you know, getting his Ph.D., And his love is to encourage people in who they are and in learning. And in this book, he said, I would wake up some mornings, even as a Ph.D. student, with this mental fog that I could not conquer. And so I would think, how can I redeem today with something that's meaningful, redemptive and um, and not just whitter it away? Hmm. And, you know, and I thought. That is so helpful for me because, you know, as a homeschooling mom, you certainly can't do this every day. I'm not advocating that. But some days you wake up and you take the heartbeat or the pulse of your family and, you know, 
schoolwork isn't happening today. Yeah. We can sit here and argue with each other all day long, or we can accept this mental fog like Dr. Schmidt talked about and figure out what can we do to redeem this time. Let's have a list of field trips. I'll, you know, interview your kids and ask them five things they'd like to do this school year and ha- keep that list. And so when you wake up, it's mental fog day. Then you say, oh, well, you know, we've been wanting to tour Adelaide Flower Factory downstairs, downtown. Let's go do that. Or we've been wanting to take that hike or we've been wanting to visit the grandparents, you know, and you keep that list. And so when you have those days, instead of arguing with each other all day, you get out, you enjoy nature, you enjoy visiting, you enjoy a field trip. And, you know, it turns out to be a stimulating day instead of a day that could derail you. That's a good point. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to change the subject. Sometimes I can remember a friend of mine said, I am arguing with one of my kids like I'm back in junior high school. (laughs) They have a way of doing that to us, don't they? Yes, of engaging you. She said, I realized when they want to engage me, I just need to walk away. And I thought, okay, that's brilliant. We We do not have to engage every argument or every complaint about schoolwork. Sometimes we just need to take a break and come back to it. So, Zan, you know, so much has changed over the years, you know, since you began homeschooling, nobody knew anybody that was homeschooling. And then somebody may have heard from it, but it was certainly a fringe group of kooks, um, or at least (laughs) (laughs) I was always thought of as one of those. Oh, you're one of those. And so you've you have the advantage of being able to see how the homeschool movement has has changed and shifted how it's gone from, you know, extreme rigors of academics, which there's nothing wrong, I think, in academic excellence is important. And I think, and I know BJU Press homeschool, I mean, they're, they're kind of really talk about the academic rigors and that it's excellence. I think that God tells us and everything we do, we should strive for excellence. So you've seen how it's gone from academics, academics to, oh, lay back and just, you know, let the kids learn the way they want to. I mean, there's just, I, I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. So it sounds like I'm, I'm minimizing that, but we certainly have seen the pendulum swing now that COVID has happened. And obviously you're in the thick of hearing what people are saying and doing and, and trends. We know that anxiety is high. We know that depression is high. We know that families feel very stressed by the current culture and about the inflation. I mean, Eggs are, you know, they went from being affordable to, you know, it'll take two fingers to buy a dozen eggs now. What I'd love to know is, what do you say to those new homeschool moms? And I want to, I want to, fra- I want to make sure I clarify. Get a vision for their family. I know you and Joe have been together. You've been on the same page. You talk a lot about that. But what are you seeing happening? And what maybe a, a tip or two that you could suggest for families that are beginning and getting them going in the right mindset? You know, Connie, I think in today's society where everybody is so fragmented and we have so much alienation, the biggest thing we can do as we begin homeschooling and continue homeschooling is to develop strong relationships with our children. 
I was interviewing Mike Donnelly on my podcast one day, and he used to be an attorney in charge of global issues with HSLDA, and now he's with a different organization. But he gave me this quote from Mother Teresa after she had won the Nobel Peace Prize. Somebody asked her, well, what can a normal person do to change the world? She said, go home and love your family. And if you think about the violence that's out of control in our culture, if most people grew up in a family where the parents loved them, cared about their giftedness and their direction, and nurtured them, a lot of the violence would disappear. Now, am I saying all of it? No, absolutely not. But a lot of our cultural issues would take care of themselves if families were loving each other well. Mm. And so whether you're homeschooling and your oldest child is six or you're bringing kids home from an institutional school situation, I would say take those early days to really focus on your relationships with your kids and get to know them. One mom called me the other day and said, I just realized I don't know my children. Mm. Um, We've just started homeschooling. We've been in this rat race. Get up at six in the morning. They're in school all day. They have extracurricular activities. They do their homework. They go to bed. And she said, we are having to learn how to be together and appreciate each other. But she said, I also realized we've got to develop these relationships. And so I would say, give yourselves grace as you homeschool for the first year. You know, Rome wasn't built in a year. Um, You're learning a new way of living, a new way of educating. Find a mentor. Don't do this alone. Gone are the days when anybody needs to be alone in their homeschooling. There are state organizations and co-ops, and we have consultants that work with people who use BJU Press who pray with the families and help them find curriculum. And you do not have to be the Lone Ranger anymore. Mm-hmm. So find a friend, find a mentor, find an organization that will give you support. One of the other things is we just need to learn how to incorporate faith into our school. Right now, we have a, because of Supreme Court edicts, prayer and the Bible are out mm. in public education. Yeah. Whether the teacher is sweet and good and a Christian, we've got this edict in a Christian school, we've got this edict from on high. And so we forget how powerful faith is because we have faith in an all-powerful God. And this country was built on an educational premise. I mean, when Harvard was founded, their goals and precepts included laying Christ as the foundation of all true wisdom and learning and knowledge. And so we, we just need to have some faith that God is going to be our superintendent of education. He redeems our good days. He redeems our bad days. He redeems our state mistakes. But he has an interest in the well-being of our children. And he delights in opening doors for our kids and helping them learn and helping us teach and helping us become all that we need to be as homeschool moms. So, you know, there's always a to-do list. We always have work to do. But if I could encourage parents to do anything, it would be to focus on the relationships with your children 
and focus on their relationship with God. Probably the most redemptive story I can tell you um, in our homeschooling is we spent, my kids spent years in the legislature with me. And I would come home for many days, especially the boys because they were older. And I had a closet, I called it my little curriculum closet. And I would just go up there and weep over workbook pages we had missed and yet another day away from the school. And then I heard this Christian educator, Ray Vanderlaan, say that the books we choose, and I'm a book person, so this is books and curriculum are important to me, but the books we choose are our curriculum. The interruptions that God brings are his curriculum. And so eventually, my second son becomes an attorney. He was very close to Mike Ferris. He watched Mike lead some homeschool moms to the Lord, his clients. And he watched him pray with parents. He watched him argue in the state Supreme Court. Mike helped him get a Blackstone Fellowship appointment. So Mike was very, very key in his life. And so when John started practicing law, he um, called me one day and said, Mom, could you give me, me Mr. Ferris's cell phone number? I said, is everything okay? He says, yes, but I just had a chance to pray with my first client. And I wanted to share that with him. Well, Well, lo and behold, in January, we elected in South Carolina a Christian superintendent of education, and she appointed my son, John, as chief legal counsel for the State Department of Education. Now, he homeschools his four kids. He's never been in a public school classroom, but he is one heck of an attorney, Mm. and he understands public policy. He grew up in it. And so we had our rally day at the State House this year, and John didn't speak, but I did, and he came and watched. And he took me back up to the state superintendent's office. Things don't change a lot in bureaucracies. And he said, Mom, I just want you to see this. This was Dr. Williams' office. This is where he sat when he threatened you with jail. This is where you sat. Mm. You know, that no longer happens here. And um, again, we called Mike and just rejoiced in what God has done. Mm. I mean, the people... I'm sorry, you go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, no, I, I love that. I hadn't actually heard that story, but it was beautiful that he kind of brought you back to that place and you were able to see the work, the work that you did and how God has been working in and through people all these years, um, three plus decades. And it's it's a beautiful picture and it's a great, absolutely great way to kind of close out our segment with the fact that God is in the business of leading our families. He redeems. When we say things we shouldn't say, when we forget to say what we should say, uh, we can go to the Lord and trust that He is going to lead us. He's going to lead you. What you're doing today, you do not know where that is going to lead or how that's going to, or how God's going to use that. So, Zan, that is a perfect uh, redemptive story on wrapping up our whole segment. And I'm so grateful that you were here and that you could spend some time here at Equip to Be. Thank you for coming on the program. No, Connie, thank you so much. You have been such an encouragement to me personally over the years, and I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate your podcast. Oh, thank you, friend. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to Equip to Be. That wraps up this week's segment. Make sure you tell your friends and go over to ConnieAlbers.com because we're going to have all the show notes. We'll have where you can find Zan, how you can connect with her, and make sure you go listen to the Zan Tyler podcast. I know you'll enjoy it. So thank you for being here, and we'll see you next week. 
Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.